Our keynote address today will be delivered by Mr. Ed Coble. Ed is the president and CEO of DeBartolo Developments Investment Strategy, Execution and Capitalization. Uh, he oversees a real estate pipeline of over $4.6 billion since 2003. Ed has also been in Scottsdale, Arizona, working for the DeBartolo Property Group. But in speaking with him this morning, he wanted me to let you know that he has spent a lot of time in Colorado Springs, where he founded Trinity Development, and he grew in his professional career and was mentored here. He completed over $300 million in retail development during that time. He wanted me to let you know, though, that his most important job is as a husband and a father. So please join me in welcoming Mr. Ed Coble this morning. Wow, it's uh, like a homecoming uh, for me. I, uh, it's just a rush of uh, memories here in Colorado Springs. I showed up here <clears throat> when I was 18 years old, fresh out of uh, boot camp in the Army. And then uh, before arriving here, I spent uh, a year in uh, spy school uh, down at Fort Huachuca, becoming a counterintelligence agent, and arrived at uh, Fort Carson, uh, not having a clue as to, to what I was going to do or what I was going to get into. Um, but first of all, I, I also attended uh, El Paso Community College for a while, but one of the things I remember in a uh, public speaking class there at uh, El Paso Community College was <clears throat> to tell a few jokes to get the, the audience warmed up. Now, if my wife and daughters were here, they'd say, Dad, you are like the worst joke teller. So, <clears throat> but part of the class was to take a risk with the audience. So, I'm take a risk with y'all. <clears throat> so, it was Palm Sunday, and um, <clears throat> Annie had a sore throat. She was five years old, so she stayed home with her mom. And uh, when her dad and brothers came home, they had these palm fronds. And, uh, and, and Annie asked her dad, what, what are those? And he said, well, today was Palm Sunday. So we held these up and uh, honoring uh, Jesus riding in on a colt. And little Annie said, wouldn't you know it, the day I'm sick and miss church, Jesus rides in on a, gives away pony rides. <laughs> yeah. All right, one more. So um, there was a little boy at church, and uh, when they were leaving, he, he grabbed the pastor and he said, uh, Pastor, uh, I just want you to know when I get older, I'm, uh, I'm going to give you some money. And the pastor said, well, thank you. That's uh, really, really nice of you. Why, why do you say that? And he said, well, last night my dad said, you're one of the poorest preachers we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he won't say that this morning. We'll see. <laughs> but I, I grew up with a single mom in the 50s and 60s. And uh, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. I'm Italian, so I roam a lot. Um, and so... Um, uh, Interestingly enough, uh, my father, uh, for, for 30 years, was one of the wealthiest men in the world. And, uh, but my mom grew up on a, on a farm in uh, western Pennsylvania. My grandparents were, uh, came over from Switzerland. Um, they really didn't speak English. They, they spoke uh, German. And they, uh, they were tenant farmers, really poor, nine kids. And mom was the one child that wanted to leave the farm. She wanted to get out. And uh, so she worked for a doctor. And uh, his wife cleaning their house with a promise that they gave her that they were going to um, pay for her to go to nursing school. So that was her ticket out. 
Uh, unfortunately, when high school graduation came, the doctor had cancer, couldn't honor his commitment. So mom migrated to uh, the big city of Pittsburgh. And mom became, mom was beautiful, Marilyn Monroe, gorgeous. And she, uh, she ended up at a speakeasy. <clears throat> it wasn't prohibition, but it was in the basement of, a, of an office building in downtown Pittsburgh where there was gambling and, and women and, and all sorts of stuff going on. And she was beautiful. She was this little hostess uh, right off the farm. And that's where she met my dad. So my dad swept her off her feet <clears throat> and uh, took her to New York City, the Plaza Hotel, where I was conceived, and bought her a new Cadillac. <clears throat> um, he was friends with Frank Sinatra. They went to Las Vegas, hung out with the Rat Pack. Just mind-blowing for this little girl that uh, came from the farm. Um, he kept promising that um, he would marry her one day. <clears throat> and uh, not too long into that situation, I came along. And uh, so I was the illegitimate son of this guy. And uh, he then disclosed to my mom that the delay was he had another family in another town not too far from Pittsburgh. So he had a wife and a son and daughter, you know, 60 miles away. So he had sort of this double life going on. And uh, so this went on for years. And I was about, uh, about six and a half years old. And then he disappeared from our life. And um, my mom got, uh, at first, to heal the brokenness of her heart, she started uh, into alcohol. And, um, and then it, it went on. That didn't, that didn't heal the pain in her heart. And it, it got worse. Uh, she got into uh, smoking marijuana and then, um, and then into some hard drugs. And it was a tough. We had a little one-bedroom, uh, one-room apartment in Pittsburgh. In fact, that's kind of how I got started in the real estate business. Um, the, uh, the landlord would come by and, and looking for rent and uh, being a little of about seven at this time and being embarrassed about my mom's condition, I would say, well, my mom's sick. That was what I would tell people uh, that asked about my mom or my little friends. Uh, I'd say, well, my mom's sick because I was embarrassed about the situation and didn't know how to cope with it. And so um, the landlord had mercy. He really had a lot of mercy on me. And uh, and I, I said, look, I could help pay the rent. So he explained to me how we would buy these old Victorian homes, like the ones used to be up Bijou and Tejon. He'd break them up into these little you know, multi-unit buildings and collect rent. And I was sort of fascinated with the idea. And he would let me paint and mow, and I'm sure I didn't do a very good job. And, and he'd pay me so I could pay the rent. It was kind of this little circle. And um, um, it's, it's sort of where I, I got interested in being in the military. In, in this old Victorian home, if you ever saw the movie Home Alone when Macaulay Culkin goes in the basement and has that spooky furnace, you know? This place had this spooky furnace, and that place was filled with rats. And so he said, if you go down there in that basement, every rat you kill, I'll give you a dollar. So he bought me this pellet gun, and I would, I would ha and a dollar was a lot, and, and I, I, was, I thought I could learn this. So I would sit in the dark, and, and you turn the light on, and the rat freezes for a second, you shoot him quick. Uh, it was crazy. I, I was the original Navy SEAL. I figured this out. So I taped a, on top of this pellet gun, I taped a flashlight. So I would hear their little nails scraping on the concrete, flip the light on, they'd freeze, I'd shoot them. So there were many months I made $100. So it was, it was working. It was working. Um, so, you know, things went on. My mom, uh, her situation, you know, she was hanging out in bars, and uh, a horrible thing happened. She met a guy in a bar. Uh, she got married. He had a son. It was a train wreck, uh, as you might imagine, and, and this guy started beating on my mom and beating on his son and started beating on me, and we just, you know, I learned to fight. 
And, uh, and eventually, uh, after a couple of years, they got divorced. And about this time, it's about 10th grade, and um, the military recruit, Vietnam was going on, and uh, the military recruiters would come, and everybody get into assembly hall, and then, you know, the Army and the Air Force Marines, everybody would come up on stage and say, hey, you know, here's how great the Army is, you should sign up. And um, I looked at it and said, wow, this is great. Um, there's some ben medical benefits. Um, maybe I can take care of my mom. Um, they're going to give me an education. Um, at the time, you could go through school, basically get your doctorate if you wanted to go to school, and the military would pay for it. So I decided that would be my way of, uh, of sort of taking care of my mom and then um, uh, being able to uh, get an education. And so in 10th grade, I signed a delayed entry contract, which wants you to graduate high school and then go off to your training. So that takes us to uh, uh, showing up uh, at, at this Fort Huachuca, this installation, and um, I had some language skills, and it, it turned out that um, they said, hey, we're going to train you for this thing called the Cold War, and, and you're going to spy on uh, the East Germans and on the, uh, um, on the Russians. A lot of times I speak in college campuses, and they're like, why were you spying on the Germans? You know, they, I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> they don't have that in their history classes. Um, and so um, we, we ended up had a great time. Uh, I was based here in Colorado Springs, and our unit traveled. And um, I moved my mom here so I could take care of her when, when, uh, when, when we weren't deployed and had a fabulous time in the military. Um, it, it really started to impact my life. I got to meet a lot of, a lot of men that were leaders. And in, in fact... Um, that was really the first time I heard the gospel um, of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, <clears throat> it came from a guy, um, actually, that was in spy school, and um, it was the first day of, of that school. And uh, he, I, I showed up, and uh, they signed me in and said, okay, lunch is being served, go to the mess hall, so go to the mess hall, sit down. We grew up with 10 guys, and uh, they had an open seat, and... Um, I'm starving, so I start chowing. The guy puts his hand on me and goes, hey, wait a second. We're going to ask the Lord to bless uh, this meal. So I stopped deer in the headlights because I had no educational background. I think I'd been to church twice at that point in my life, never read a Bible, didn't know the stories, no background. So this guy prayed and then um, introduced the guys around the table, Green Berets, Navy Seals, all sorts of alphabets that I wasn't familiar with. And these warriors had multiple tours in Vietnam. And um, towards the end of the lunch, the man sitting there who, who prayed said uh, to me, hey, um, do you know Jesus? I said, uh, not really. I, I kind of heard the name. And he said, would you like to pray? Would you like a relationship with him? And there's a way that you can pray, invite him into your life. And uh, if you pray to receive him, you'll have eternity with him. And, um, and you'll have access to him, access to the wisdom that he has, the wisdom of God. And it was all Greek to me. And, um, and I was looking at these warriors at the table, at the lunch table, all looking at me. And I kind of chickened out when he said, hey, would you bow your head and pray? I said, no, I'm not going to do that because I didn't really know what the right answer was. I didn't know if they like, wanted me to do it or not do it or if this was a test. And so, so I kind of chickened out. And uh, it was the first time, though, I heard about this, this guy, Jesus, and that he lived a sinless life, that he was here on earth, that he was crucified, and in three days he ra was raised from the dead, and that I could have a personal relationship with him. And it was kind of, it was interesting, 
But it wasn't interestingly enough, interesting enough for me to make that kind of a decision. And so I went on um, in, in my, my uh, short military career, I was in for four years. It was time to get out and, um, or re-enlist. So I had a chance, um, I got an appointment to go to West Point. Uh, they wanted me to re-enlist, go to West Point. And I decided that um, I really wanted, uh, I had this financial goal at that time. Um, First lieutenants were making about $1,000 a month, and I was making about five, five sixty. dollars I said, I've got a financial goal. I want to make $1,000 a month, so I'm going to get an education. And so uh, a colonel that I served with was uh, getting out here in Colorado Springs, and um, he said, uh, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go to school. Um, I'm going to go to school at night, and uh, I'm looking for a job so I can pay my bills, take care of my mom. And he said, great, I'm, I bought this little real estate company over on Platt Avenue, and uh, I need people that are real estate salesmen, so why don't you get your real estate license, and I will, uh, I'll hire you. And I thought, this is great, I got a job, uh, it's going to be fantastic, and uh, I'll never forget, I got my real estate license, and um, I show up, and I said, what do I do? He goes, well, call everybody you know, and tell them that you're a real estate licensee, and you want to list their home, or if they want to buy a home, they should call you. I, and I did that. And so for the whole week, I, I called everybody I knew in the Army that were still in, those that were out that I knew. And um, I'll never forget, I was sitting there. And you know, in, in offices, they have the, the little reception area, and they've got the little cubbies where they put your mail and messages. And he would come around Friday, and he would put the checks in for people that made money that week. And so my first week, I was looking, I had my little box with my name on it, and uh, and it's 4 o'clock, and he used to do it like at 4.15. 4.15 comes, boom, he's clockwork. He's a colonel, right, clockwork, boom. And so boom, he makes the rounds. There's nothing in my box. And it's 5 o'clock, and I see the colonel packing up to go home, and I, I go, and I say, hey, colonel, I didn't, there's nothing in my box. You didn't pay me this week. And he goes, you idiot, it's a commission job. You got to go sell something. And I said, oh, okay. So I was terrible at real estate. Um, yeah, I, I was... Uh, I was super young, and nobody wants to buy a house or list a house with somebody that's young and has no, uh, no experience. So I ended up, uh, towards the end of that semester, um, I went back to the colonel, and I said, Colonel, thanks for the opportunity. I made about $600 in some referral fees, and I said, look, um, I'm going to flip this around. I've got, a, um, I've got a bartending job at this bar on Academy Boulevard and I'm going to go to school full-time so I can get this education thing done and uh, move on with my life. Thank you very much for this real estate job. See you later. And uh, we probably have some hurdles in here. So he, he opened, we're, I sit across from him at his desk. He opens his desk drawer, pulls out a ruler, and we're just four feet apart. He throws it up my heart. And I said, oh, sir, what did you do that for? He goes, you're not taking anything we taught you in the military of your resources and um, using them. You're using your veteran's benefit to go to school free, but you should use your veteran's benefit to be a real estate investor because you're a ter terrible salesman. And um, <laughs> you should be an investor. And I said, that's great, but I'm broke. He goes, you can do it. You can buy. So he, uh, we, went, uh, we went to a bank on Nevada Avenue. He took me in. He said, hey, we, this kid wants to buy some foreclosures. So we ended up, he helped me, kind of shepherd me and mentored me through. And I bought this little fourplex next to Fort Carson that was busted up, vacant, broken, punched holes in the walls, broken toilets, everything you can imagine. And, um, and, I, and I'm not very handy. My wife would attest to that if she were here. And uh, 
Um, but I had a bunch of friends, you know, still in the military, very handy guys. So a couple of weekends and a few kegs of beer, we got this place fixed up. And I'm rolling on my credit card because I have very little margin for air. And I get it fixed, get it leased, go back to the colonel. And I say, Colonel, what should I do now? And the colonel said, well, you're still broke, right? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, uh, why don't you sell it? So run an ad uh, at the time. He had me run an ad in the Los Angeles Times. And uh, crazy thing happened. I had over 300 inquiries from this Los Angeles little tiny classified paper. And I had this very sophisticated system. It was a little metal box with A through Z. And I would put your name in there if you called me. <laughs> and so I had these investors that wanted to buy. And uh, anyway, I, that first little property I sold in, uh, in uh, 1979, and I, I made $37,000 on it. It was a lot of money in 1979. And uh, so um, I, I, the colonel said, keep doing it. So I did that about 81 more times, and um, <laughs> here in Colorado Springs, all right here, Colorado Springs and Manitou. And so um, uh, it, was a, it was a crazy journey, and uh, had a lot of fun with it. But I realized that um, I wanted to be a real estate developer. There are a couple of guys, maybe you remember the names, Barry Craddock and Ed Rudolph, and, and a few high-profile developers at the time. And um, so um, I went to the colonel, and... Uh, uh, I said, geez, I, wanna, I think I want to be a developer. And he said, well, there's two ways to do it. You can go to school and do it, or you can uh, on-the-job training like we do in the military. And I said, well, I'll try the school option. And the only university at the time that had a real estate degree program was University of Southern California. So I applied, uh, got in, but then my mom, her health was deteriorating here in Colorado Springs, and she didn't want to move. So we said, okay, that's off the table. Um, and so then I started interviewing. But uh, keep in mind, at this point in time, the prime interest rate was 18, 19. It was crazy, if you remember those days. It was really a difficult time. So I met with uh, Mr. Craddock. He said, no, we're not hiring. Met with another guy, not hiring. Met with Mr. Rudolph. He said, no, we're not hiring. And um, I said, gosh, I got, I've got to figure this out. So I started selling off my properties, um, carrying back a lot of paper. So I created this. In kind of crazy cash flow. I had about 600000 of cash flow before I got out of bed in the morning just carrying notes on this real estate I was selling. So nobody had to pay me. So finally, I got Mr. Rudolph, got another meeting with Mr. Rudolph, and I said, uh, Mr. Rudolph, would you, would you pay, allow me to work for you for free? I'll take out the trash. He owned a car wash. And I said, look, I'll take your car to your car wash. But if you're meeting with the mayor or your banker, anybody, city council, I'm in those meetings because I want to learn real estate. And uh, he, I'll never forget, he pulled out his keys and he tossed them to me and said, hey, my car needs washed. Take out the trash on your way out. You got a job. <laughs> work for free. Um, but he was a great mentor, right? That's a key word. Not only in real estate, but he was a godly man. And he walked with Jesus. And he started to speak the truths of Jesus in, into my life. And he started uh, encouraging me, um, and, and he invited me to his boardroom, where on uh, Monday mornings, he had about 12 guys, they would come in, and uh, the first time I go there, uh, he said, you know, you're, you're going to learn about real estate, so I was excited uh, to learn about real estate, but it was kind of a bait and switch, it was a Bible study, and so <laughs> I look around at these guys, the 12 of them like the disciples, and uh, they all had, you know, these books, you know, some had red leather covers, some had black, you know, and uh, I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but it doesn't feel like real estate, 
And, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then the guy that was leading it bows his head and prays. I go, oh, man, it's one of those Jesus things again. And so, <clears throat> but I, I was... Uh, I was shallow and, and wanted to learn about real estate. So I said, okay, I can, I can handle this and, and put up with this to learn a little bit about real estate. It had nothing to do with real estate. It was all about Jesus. And so <clears throat> these guys didn't embarrass me. <clears throat> they bought me a Bible. Um, you know, they didn't uh, call on me with any tough questions. And they just, they just started pouring into me and walking with me and mentoring me. And um, they would also um, take me to events like this. Um, one in particular was the Christian Businessmen's Committee, where you got a speaker like me that tells some stories and then gives a gospel presentation, an invitation to invite Christ into your life personally. And so <clears throat> I went faithfully uh, every, every week to this Bible study, and then once a month I would go with uh, these guys from, from the Bible study to this luncheon. And they would always get the table right up front, and they'd always have me sit right there where you are, <laughs> hoping that somehow the closeness would just get me. <clears throat> but... Here's what a stinker I was, you know, so every, every, for six months, we'd leave, and they'd say, hey, did you pray to receive Christ? And I'd say, no, and um, because I was such a stinker, I was a stinker because I was sleeping with my girlfriend, I drank, I smoked, I swore, I had a lot of bad habits that I'm not blaming the army for, I just, just got them, you know, and, and, uh, and I was living that out, and I had a little Porsche 914 that I liked to race up to Woodland Park and back. And, and so I had what I thought were these bad things in my life, which I were. And, um, but I, I wasn't honest enough with these mentors who were giving me their time and their pouring into my life to actually speak that because I was embarrassed by my sin. And so um, month after month, we'd hear about this Jesus, how you could have a personal relationship with him how you could walk with them, how you could have um, access to the wisdom of God through a relationship with him. And um, one, one, I kept kind of falling back on, on my biggest lie uh, to these poor mentors that were pouring into me is I, I would say, because I was embarrassed to say, you know, having sex with my girlfriend, I'm drinking, I'm smoking, I'm racing, I'm doing all this stuff. So uh, my little fake story, my lie was, well, what about evolution? <clears throat> what about, and I wasn't an academic, and they knew that, so that was, you know, they could see right through that. <laughs> and they were patient with me. Instead of booting me out, they kind of let me stay. And six months into it, <clears throat> there's a speaker that came to Colorado Springs, and he was the lead scientist to put a man on the moon. He was the rocket scientist. But amazingly, you know, a lot of rocket scientists they speak, and it's so tough to understand. You're just lost in two seconds. This guy had a gift of taking, basically, his topic that day, as you might imagine, was evolution. And he took evolution, and he talked about it in a way that made it clear to me that there was a creator, there was a God that put all this in order. And uh, I was sitting at that front table, and as his name was Carl, uh, Dr. Carl, um, and he gave that invitation to pray to receive Christ I was crying like a baby right here up front, and I prayed to receive Christ that day and began this journey of um, walking with Jesus and having an intimate fellowship with him. And it wasn't instantaneous, so um, it, it took a few months, um, stopped smoking, stopped drinking uh, quite as much. Um, uh, <laughs> actually, uh, uh, went, went to uh, uh, living with my girlfriend, and I went to her after a couple of months and said, 
we need to move apart. And she was like, who's the other woman? What is this about? And I said, no, um, remember I told you I was with my mentors and went to this luncheon and I prayed and I don't know, I just feel like this is something we're not supposed to do. And uh, she didn't trust me at first, um, but eventually we worked through that, um, came apart for, for, still we're dating exclusively, but came apart sexually for two years, got married right down the street, First United Methodist Church, and um, it, it was great. So, so these things started happening in my life, in, in, in this journey, and, and so it wasn't, there's some miraculous folks that, you know, have a crazy thing happen. Mine was a little slower because I think I'm a little slower. But um, so, so this thing took off, and we started building shopping centers. The first one was the Plaza Chapel Hills up on North Academy across from the Chapel Hills Mall. That was my first shopping center, and uh, it turned out great economically, and, and uh, we took off. Uh, our little family, we went from these little um, rental homes that we, we bought and took back paper on, and now we're building shopping centers and apartment buildings, and... Um, and making ridiculous amounts of money, tens of millions of dollars, crazy money, and my character was not quite ready for it. So the Lord fashioned um, this crazy real estate crisis called the savings and loan failure, (laughs) just for me. (laughs) And uh, so this is several years into it. So, you know, we we had... um, Literally, as, as, as Matt said, you know, we did about $300 million of stuff, most of it incredibly sex, successfully, and then, then the music stopped, and uh, we found ourselves on a loan for $106 million. And um, wow, we're looking at each other, and uh, we had lawyers and accountants, and um, we, we weren't 30 yet, you know, so a uh, young couple, and... Um, our, our, our lawyers and accountants said, hey, um, you're not going to get through this, so file bankruptcy and you know, get started you know, with your new life and whatever you're going to do next, you'll be out of the real estate business and um, something, you'll figure it out, right? They just want to get us out of the office. And so uh, it was really the first time my wife and I came together and prayed together. Shame on me, right? I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader of the house. So, so we held hands and we asked God, God, what do you want us to do about this? It just seems impossible. It seems like climbing up Pike's Peak on your hands and knees. How are we going to pay off $106 million and get that done? And um, we really felt in that moment, the Lord said, do you trust me? I'll walk with you. We both felt it sensed it. We said, okay, Lord, we're going to go on this journey. So we went back to the lawyers and accountants and said, we don't want to file bankruptcy. We, we want to try to pay this off. They thought we lost our minds. And so um, we don't have enough time today, but it took five years and it took everything we had. You know, we were literally down. Uh, I was back to, um, to pay the bills, um, uh, asking people, hey, you know, Matt, could I uh, list your house? And uh, Lee, could I sell your house? I mean, trying to make the grocery money every week for about five years. Tons of miraculous stories as we went on this journey with the Lord. And eventually, in five years, boom, we got it paid off. It was a miracle. Can't get into all the details. We don't have enough time this morning. But God honored what he told us. 
And, and as God speaks to you, and he can speak to you if, if uh, the men and women that put this event on, think about this, if they could get Warren Buffett up here, so to speak, the best investor of all times, we would all fill the room, we'd take notes on whatever Warren said, and we'd run out of here, and we'd call our financial advisor, and we'd make a decision. But think about this. You have the ability right now, if you pray to receive Christ, to get the access to the wisdom of God. And I just want to give you some, some examples, business applications, because I mostly speak to CEOs, and, um, and so bear with me. Uh, and some of the numbers are not meant in any way to boast in me. I never finished school. I didn't have any pedigree. This is just a journey with the Almighty taking me on this incredible adventure of walking with him that I hope to get you excited about this morning. So, so now we've paid off this $106 million, but now everything's exhausted. We have a 15-year-old car because we sold all the good cars. Amazingly, the Lord made a mortgage payment every month through some crazy means, so we didn't lose our health. We, and we never filed bankruptcy. We came through this thing. So I'm praying with my wife and saying, Lord, what do you want us to do next? And he said, I want you to go to Wall Street, and uh, I'm going to give you this business idea right now. Boom. And he gave me a download. I wrote it out, a business plan. Now, keep in mind, we have no assets. I mean, we have a house that kind of has negative equity, and we have a really old car that is not worth what we paid for. So we have no assets. Um, and the Lord says, I want you to go to New York, go to Wall Street. And I'm arguing with the Lord, saying, Lord, I didn't finish school. I don't have that sort of Wall Street pedigree. I don't know anybody. I've never been to New York. I've never been to Wall Street. But you've given me this amazing business plan. And um, I'm going to try it. So I go. Three weeks later, I get this business plan bound up, organized. And I go to Wall Street, arrive on a Sunday open up the yellow pages, and write down on a yellow tab, tablet, you know, Goldman Sachs, da-da-da, all these banks with their local number. And I call, and amazingly, I get in. I get to see the bankers. Um, and if any of you are in that part of the business, it, that just doesn't happen. It's, this is miraculous. And so uh, the next miracle was that two of them agreed to partner and to give me $500 million with no assets, which was kind of... <laughs> Kind of crazy. It was crazy. Um, and in fact, at, 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 we, had a, we closed on an asset shortly thereafter, and we're, we're sitting at a table at a, at a fancy restaurant in New York City, and um, the guys were pouring wine, and, and uh, it's just what you see in all the movies. The guys get crazy, and I, I'm subdued because I'm, I'm walking with the father. And late in the evening, I leaned next to the guy who was in charge, and I said, uh, name was Carmine, I said, Carmine, can I ask you a personal question? He said, yeah, sure. He goes, I said, why did you give me all that, all this money? Oh, he said, that's easy. You paid back when you didn't have to. Wow. So follow the trail. So, so the father said, go on this journey and pay it back. He didn't say it was going to be easy. He didn't say how long it was. Five years felt really, really long. Um, and he didn't say what the next step was, that, oh, by the way, I'm going to take you to Wall Street and do this cool thing in your life. Um, and, and so he didn't give us all the answers. And that's kind of my story is that, you know, in Isaiah, he says, call upon me. You can call upon me, that your thoughts are not his thoughts. 
His ways are different than our ways. And so this morning, each one of you has an opportunity to tap into that kind of wisdom, to the wisdom of being able, you know, I, I start every day um, spending some time with the Father, journaling, and in, in, uh, in the Bible it says that he knows your name, you'll know him, he speaks to you, you can hear him, it's real, it is absolutely real, and um, it's, it's crazy. Let me give you another crazy part of the story. So not only did our real estate business take off, but these Wall Street bankers, um, you know, most of those banks don't have other offices around the country. They sort of have a New York, sometimes an L.A. office or a San Francisco office. They don't really have, it's not like a branch banking system. And so they, um, they said, hey, we want to start an investment banking business with you. You've got a bunch of smart guys. And so I said, that'll be great. And it was like shooting fish in the barrel. We got part of the investment banking fees, and we made lots and lots of money. And, um, uh, and through that, through that investment banking opportunity, I had a chance to meet a guy named Eddie DeBartolo. You might know the name, San Francisco 49ers, five Super Bowls, Pittsburgh Penguins, two Stanley Cup victories. And um, it just so happens that Eddie DeBartolo and I have the same father. And, and so God, who's always at work, right? God's always working in a sense of eternity, not just in our little realm, our one-dimensional realm that we see, right? And quite frankly, you know, I'm a Steelers fan, I know we're Broncos country, but, you know, I would spend more time thinking about the Steelers than I would about eternity. But I want to plant that seed with you this morning that you start to think about eternity, not just so that you know you have a place in heaven, because I think in America... We sort of water that down, right? We pray, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to pray to receive Christ this morning. And, and that's going to, you know, punch your ticket to heaven. If you do that, you're going to heaven. But I have a bigger thought for you. And that thought is, in the book of John, Jesus speaking, he says, look, I've came to give you an abundant life. Now, that doesn't mean stuff. When you look at the Greek and the Hebrew, that means peace, love, joy, and hope. Who wouldn't want peace, love, joy, and hope in their life, no matter what the circumstances? That's what it explains in that verse. So I want you to walk out of here today, not only with the comfort and the peace that you have eternal life in heaven, but that you can step in right now today, calling on the wisdom of God and entering into, I'm going to get freaky on you now, the supernatural, talking to God, hearing from God, walking with God, and having cool, amazing, supernatural stuff happen in your life. It happens every day. Um, I was just telling Lee, you know, we're, we're, we're taking this message out to millennial CEOs. We got rooms full of them, like, like this room, just taking this information and taking it back to their companies, really changing America. And, and it's just a, a total blast. So here we have a chance meeting with me and Eddie DeBartolo. And that's sort of God. So God took this family, my family with my mom, his family, he did not know that he had a brother. Now, I knew from six, seven years old that DeBartolo Sr. was my father. So you, here you have, now my, my father had passed away, my mother had come to Christ, walked with Christ, passed away, and now you have the two brothers. God knitted us together, right, through a completely broken, dysfunctional situation and has knitted our hearts together, knitted our families together, we started a little business, and, and, um, and we've had incredible, great time, you know, walking with the Lord through that. So it's just something to think about that the Father is working 
all through your life, whether or not you're listening or you want to listen or not, he's there. And so right now I want to just take a shot at um, if, if everybody in the room would just bow your heads, close your eyes, bow your heads, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a, the prayer redemption. And um, if, if, you, uh, if you've prayed it before and you kind of slipped away, that's cool because the Father is speaking to you right now. How about now? Brother, how about now? Come with me. Sister, how about now? Come on back. And um, just say these words to yourself. Father God, I recognize and confess my sins before you. I thank you, Father, for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Father, take the throne of my life. I've been in control of it. Um, I want you to take control of it. I want that wisdom for life right now here in Colorado Springs. I want that right now. I, I do want eternity in heaven with you, but how about this abundant life you're talking about now? Father, thank you for forgiving me my sins and giving me eternal life. Make me the kind of person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all very much. Ed, thank you so much for sharing that with us this morning. You know, the beauty of, of the message is, you know, you heard Ed talk about early on in, in his journey or before he started it, he was concerned about, you know, the sin in his life and being able to sort of ascend to a level of God. But the beauty about the cross and Jesus dying on it is God knows we're not able to do that and go to his level. So he did that for us in sending his son this morning. So thank you again, Ed, for being with us this morning and sharing that.